Welcome back to Castle's Council, Season 2 in full swing, and episode number 2 this week, um, heading towards a public holiday on Thursday, so looking excited and very excited for that, obviously a public holiday only here in South Africa, um, that I know of, that is. Um, yes, so what is this week about? This week I spoke about it briefly last, last podcast, I mentioned the Michael Jackson story, the Leaving Neverland a documentary that aired on uh, HBO uh, way back in the beginning of March. In actual fact, it was a, a two-part documentary, um, and it aired on the 3rd and 4th in America, and then again aired on the 6th and 7th in the UK, um, talking about and uh, talking to two individuals, uh, a Wade Robinson and uh, a James Safechuck. And what the... Uh, what the documentary talks about is um, about Michael Jackson and his relationship with the two gentlemen. Uh, Wade Robinson's relationship with Michael Jackson started when he was uh, seven years old. And uh, James Safechuck started when he was 10 years old. And what the documentary looks at is uh, interviews the two of them, um, interviews their mothers, and then also interviews uh, the siblings of, uh, I think it's James... James, or, or well, I think it was actually both. I think it interviews siblings on both sides um, regarding the relationship with um, with Michael Jackson and the time they spent and how the relationship came about. Uh, Wade Robinson was, um, or later became, uh, quite a successful choreographer doing work with Britney Spears and then with NSYNC and then obviously went on to do quite a, quite a lot of other work. Both of these gentlemen danced for Michael Jackson on, uh, on, on his world tours back in the day. Um, that was obviously pre-93, pre I think it was 1989, somewhere along the lines there when they first met up with him. And, and uh, they got to form a relationship with him. What's quite disturbing about the whole thing and what's actually come, come forward from the Leaving Neverland thing, and I went and I watched it recently, was... Um, Obviously, the Jackson family has come out in support of, of, of Michael. And there's been a, a mixture of people slating the documentary as to whether it has any, any merit or any grounds. And the reason why I'm talking about it is it's, it's a very interesting subject, an interesting subject from, from point of views of people and just how people have perceived this and taken to this, this documentary. Why is it fascinating for me? Well, growing up for myself... I was a, a, a Michael Jackson fan, and I think most of you uh, that heard Michael Jackson from an early age were Michael Jackson fans. I think that's just what it was. Um, he was uh, a hero for me. He was a, well, like, the reason why I started, well, I wanted to dance, and the reason why I enjoyed dancing was a lot to do with Michael Jackson and, and his music. And I remember when Thriller came out, it was a massive thing, and I used to go and hire uh, the video, those days, the VHS from the video store, because we never had it on TV. It was never shown on TV. Uh, I think it was age-restricted in this country because of its being scary. And I used to hire the video again and again and again and watch the making of Thriller. And Thriller and Michael Jackson was my hero. And I had pictures of Michael Jackson up in, in my walls, in my walls in my bedroom. And I would learn the dances. And I, I was a Michael Jackson freak. And then Bad came out and, you know, it carried on and carried on. And... Uh, you know, Michael Jackson 
uh, I always enjoyed him. I think uh, I love his music. I love the I love the the messages that we, he was sharing. And the reason why I watched the documentary was, I remember at the time in '93 when he first got uh, called up for for uh, for playing with a little boy, a little boy being Jordan Chandler at the time. Um, I remember thinking, Nah, it can't be, you know. And then Michael came out and said, People are just trying to discredit him, trying to make money out of him. And I remember thinking, yeah, geez, that's, that's wrong. And then, of course, they settled out of court. And uh, what has subsequently come out was like 15 million US plus, char- plus uh, uh, lawyer's fees on top of that. And they ended up to something like over 20 million, 22 million US that Michael had to pay out, an out-of-court settlement for it to go away. And then people said, well, how true was it? How much money is your kid worth to you? And so it sort of disappeared. And then 10 years later, we had a, another charge, more actually more than 10, it was 2005, so it was 10 to 12 years. Uh, well, I think it started 10 years later, and after two years of court cases and hearing witnesses, eventually Michael Jackson was acquitted. And everybody was like, oh, you see, he, he's not, he doesn't do it. And obviously I was one of those people at the time that was going, ah, it can't be true. They're just trying to you know, bring Michael down. And even in the back of my mind, there's that constant thought that, you know, second time. And then you go to that old analogy, you know, where there's smoke, there must be fire. And people were always talking about that. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, what, what's it all about? Is there any value to it? And then, of course, it disappeared completely. And from 2005 up until 10 years ago, when Michael Jackson passed, Nobody really spoke about it again, and it wasn't really spoken about again. And what was interesting for me watching Evie Neverland was these two gentlemen, uh, James and Wade, actually went and testified, well, went and testified on the 1st in 93 on behalf of Michael Jackson to say that he was innocent. And then in 2003, James Savchuk refused to testify and said he didn't want to be part of it. But Wade Robinson still went ahead and testified that Nothing ever happened with him. And the same time, Macaulay Culkin, everybody knows Macaulay Culkin from the Home Alone sagas, and um, another uh, well-known, I can't think of his name now, what the hell was his name? Um, uh, called Cordy Feltman, Cordy Feltman, that's the name. Cordy Feltman came forward and also said that he also had a relationship with Michael, but it was non-sexual, they were just friends. And subsequently, now Corey Feldman has come forward and said, well, you can't dismiss what these guys are saying because everyone needs to be heard. And a lot of what he's saying is because he was abused, actually, not by Michael, but by his own abuser. And uh, now he's trying to get his case heard. So it's funny how he changed his tune now. It was saying that now you must listen to them anyway. But it's all to do with the fact that he's got a case that's coming up. But yeah, why am I talking about Living Neverland? Well, what's actually happened was I've... I've, I've watched Leaving Neverland and, and I subsequently have gone and watched outside interviews from that. I, Oprah Winfrey had um, Dan Reed, the director of uh, Leaving Neverland on and um, she had Wade and James on as well and she spoke to them about it and probably came out and said, well, you know, it's a very biased opinion. Why would she only have one side of the story? The media is trying to trial Michael. He's not yet to defend himself. These two guys are only off the money. And I go, hang on a second, you know, you've got to look at this and you've got to think that somewhere along the line, yeah, something 
you, you can't have four different people that have come forward and said Michael Jackson did something without there being some kind of value to it. Michael Jackson's nephew, Todd, uh, Todd was one of the, the trio from the, the band called T or Three T's or something like that at the time. I think they were called, they were a singing group, they called Three T. They came out and did a song, 95 or something. He was one of the members of that. But Todd Jackson, Michael's nephew, has come out and said, that he's innocent and he doesn't understand why these guys are saying this because he spent time with Michael and his uh, other uh, family member, his niece, Brandy, has come out and said that she had a relationship with Wade Robson um, from the ages of 12 till the ages of, I think, 18, 19 or 20, somewhere along the line there. And um, Michael would never have done that to her. So you got... Two guys saying that Michael did something to them. And Wade Robinson clearly says from the ages of seven to the ages of 14, Michael was doing things to them. I'm not going to go into the detail of what he did. Uh, if you really would like to know, and, and it is quite graphic in terms of the storyline as to what the, he did and how he grew the relationship, the sexual relationship with these boys. Go okay, well, do yourself a favor and watch Leaving Neverland. It's available on download. It's available pretty much anywhere we like to see if, if maybe one of the local stations don't pick it up, maybe DSTV or one of the ETV or something does pick it up and maybe shows Leaving Neverland here for us to see. Um, but failing that, if you are astute enough to be listening to a podcast, you probably are clever enough to know how to download a documentary. Um, maybe Netflix picks it up. Be interesting. Anyway, um, they've come forward and said, no, he hasn't done it. They were there. And then you've got two guys saying, so it all goes down to hearsay as to what happened. What's been interesting from the storyline is that how both these gentlemen, James and Wade, speak about the fact that how Michael grew their relationship. And when I say grew, it's not from a point of view of from being friends to being bigger friends or best friends, but how you grew from them being um, friends, being intimate on an oral basis to being quite uh, sexual down the line. And how he mentored, but not mentored, it's the wrong word, how he sort of prepared these guys for the time that if they were ever questioned about what was going on or whether anybody questioned what was going on behind closed doors. Um, he sort of prepared them. And part of the, the profile of a pedophile is that exact doing. Pedophiles will always prepare their... They pray, and I say pray because I think you are pray when you get, when you as a child get molested or, you, you know, I think you become prey. And how they prepare them by telling them that, you know, that what we're doing is, is private. Michael Jackson went on to say that what they did was, it was how you show each other love. You're talking about a seven-year-old child here, and you are sexually educating and abusing a child from seven years old. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. But from the story that has been told, it's, it's way too, too complicated and too intense to be made up um, and too, too exact to be made up. But I, you know, that's my view and, and my interpretation of what I heard. And then, of course, when I went to go listen to the other side of the story in terms of the guys that have come out in defense of Michael, um, Todd came out and said Michael wouldn't do it. He was around a lot of the time. 
and that. But it's all just him saying that Michael wouldn't do it. It's not a case of him saying, and everyone's saying, well, where's the hard evidence that Michael did it? You know, do we have a picture? Do we have a video clip? Do we have a sound clip? Do we have uh, um, soiled underwear? Do we have something that says that this happened? And no, we don't because it's, it's a long time down the line. So that doesn't exist. But at the same time as we can't say there's no evidence that he did do it, there's definitely no physical, actual proof that he did do it, that he didn't do it. Um, just somebody saying that he wouldn't do it is crazy. But you, why would you put yourself behind a door, a locked door, a bedroom door, and be in the same bed sleeping with a minor? And not, I'm talking, not talking about a 15-year-old. I'm talking about a 7-year-old, a 10-year-old. Now, people go back and they say, oh, Michael Jackson, he's just a child. Come on, man. Of course, then we all look at the parents and we go, how did the parents be so damn stupid? How could they, how would, why would they let that happen? Well, if you go listen and you watch Neverland, leaving Neverland, you will see how cleverly Michael allowed that to happen. And if you listen to how he grew the relationships with parent and with child, it's definitely the, the behavior of a predator. Without a doubt, it's a behavior of a predator for me. And I, I, I struggled to, to find that and, and try to find an excuse for it and try to find a way that maybe he didn't do this as a Michael Jackson fan. But there's just, there's just too much for me that to, to, to believe that he didn't do it. Um, just the way they, the sincerity of how they told it, and you go watch and tell me how you think about it. Do you think it's sincere or not sincere? I felt it. I thought it was very sincere. And then I thought, okay, well, hang on a second. This is the movie. It's been filmed. So it's been edited and it's been cut and been changed. And by all intents and purposes, it's, it's easy to, to cut and manipulate things um, to make that work. So then I went to watch the Oprah show. And the Oprah was filmed live. And these two gentlemen, both Wade and, and James, as well as the director, Dan, were on, and they again gave testimony to, to what they had said in the, the documentary. And without a doubt in my mind, there was definitely sincerity in terms of how they felt. Funny enough, the key point to Wade Robertson realizing that he actually was molested, there's a man in his 20s who testified, I think the last time he testified on behalf of Michael Jackson in the 2003 case, was he was 20 years old, and he testified that Michael didn't do anything. And the whole, his whole defense or his whole defensive reason why he didn't, um, or why he did uh, defend Michael was because he believed that that's what they were doing. They were showing each other love. It wasn't, he wasn't being molested. He wasn't being uh, sexually abused. He was, he was being loved. They were sharing love because that's what Michael told him. And what gave him the realization that that wasn't actually what it was. What it actually was, was the, the negative, the latter, the, it was being molested, was when his son turned seven years old. Wade Robinson looked at his son and realized that if anybody had to touch my child, I would be, I'd kill for that child. I would be, it, it actually angered him enough that he went, hang on a second, I was, that was me. Why, why don't I, why don't I feel that same anger about myself with, with Michael. And then he had to go and actually see somebody about it and go through a process of actually 
realizing what happened and release that. Now, that's not somebody that's just looking for money. And if you listen to both their stories, both James and Wade were both incredibly messed up individuals. Uh, one of Brandy's defenses was def- uh, uh, for her uncle was that Wade, Wade was a, was a, um, he cheated on her. I mean, she, she goes on to say that from the age of 12 to 18, they never had any sexual relationship. Only when she turned 18 did they have sex for the first time. But she doesn't believe it was Wade's first time. She thinks that Wade, who was younger than her, um, he had already had sex. And, and then he had cheated on her. And then there's stories that he had cheated on. And Brit- he had also slept with Britney Spears and, and then cheated on her. And he had slept with this one and cheated on them. And, and I'm going, well, hang on a second. You want a man, who what, a, a guy here, to, who's had... Been, who's, had, who's been abused from the age of seven years old to the age of 14 to suddenly be in a position to have a normal relationship. I mean, how crazy would that logic be? If anything, the fact that he couldn't have a normal relationship with women and kept on flipping and, and cheating and, and not being a great partner or boyfriend is, is if anything, evidence that there's something is wrong with this guy. Not to say that every guy that cheats and every guy that misbehaves was abused, but it definitely doesn't go as a defense for the sake to say that this guy is a piece of crap, so he's lying about the abuse because he cheated. In actual fact, I would look and say the fact that he, didn't ha- he couldn't have a normal relationship is evidence of the fact that there is something wrong with him, that he has got issues and things he carries. Because I can tell you right now, I know many people that haven't had good relationships with their parents struggling to find life partners later because of the struggle with their, uh, with their, with their, with their folks and not been having good relations but not understanding good relations. So, yeah, I don't find that, that Brandy's defense for her uncle any good in terms of downplaying the person that Wade Robson turns out to be or is. Um, it's definitely not a defense. And as far as Taj goes, also useless defense by just saying, no, he didn't. Um, he believes 100% that his uncle is completely innocent because he wouldn't do that. He just loved people. Yeah, that's a good defense. And then, of course, lately uh, we just heard Paris Jackson, Michael Jackson's daughter, also come out and say how disappointed she is in the media and her father was a good guy. Yeah. And, of course, there's been some crap that's come out as well that apparently Michael Jackson was chemically castrated. Well, he wasn't chemically crashed. There's no actual proof of it. It's just that bullshit doctor that gave him the dose that killed him came out and made some remark about the fact that he was castrated. But in saying that and talking about the castration, I've spoken to a couple of psychologists in terms of uh, psych, uh, in terms of pedophiles, and the, they reckon that the only way to for a, a pedophile to be or stop being a pedophile because it's a, it's actually it's in it's a, it's not like a a rapist that's a power game. Pedophile is actually a desire, like a homosexual desire. You desire the same sex. Pedophiles desire young children, so it's not a case of it. You can fix it by having a chat to them, or you can incarcerate them and fix it with time, and they can look back and go, "Okay, I need to not do that." Psychologists reckon the only way to fix it. Uh, a pedophile is actually to castrate them is take away the urge completely so it's interesting that they now want to throw out that Michael Jackson was castrated 
Um, here wasn't, there's no actual physical proof that he was or actual proof that he did. It, 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 it's just been a rumor. So yeah, it's uh, pretty much left up there to the individual to decide whether Michael Jackson is innocent or guilty. Um, in my opinion, and from what I've watched of the Leaving Neverland story, I think um, there's a lot of truth to it. There was smoke, there definitely was fire. I don't know if he abused everyone that he came in contact with, McCauley Culkin and Corey Feltman, so no. Um, two other boys have asked, said that he he did, and as well as these two gentlemen have come forward and said he did. So it'll be left up to you to decide. Um, my heart is broken. Um, I'm very disappointed. Uh, but in the, I think in the back of my mind, there was always the case of that there probably is some truth to it. Uh, it doesn't take away from the music. The music was brilliant. Uh, we've got the same situation happening now with R. Kelly and that all coming out. Um, the difference is I think R. Kelly wrote a lot about the children he was abusing. I don't know if Michael did. Maybe there is. Maybe we should go listen back to some of his music to find out if he did. But yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting documentary. I think if you did enjoy Michael Jackson, did like Michael Jackson music and grew up with Michael Jackson, I think it's worth having a look at. Be objective. I try to be objective. I try to listen to as many different viewpoints, as as many interviews as I can with everybody involved and those outside of it. Um, My viewpoint is that uh, I think he did do it. I think he definitely did uh, play with little boys, molest little boys. It's sad but true. And yeah, with that, uh, enjoy the documentary if you watch it. And if you don't, hopefully I gave you a little bit of insight to what it's about. So for me, and this week, I'm out of here. Uh, remember, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. I'm Stephen Castle, and uh, I don't give a fuck. <laughs>